The Profile with Premier Christianity magazine. This week we're joined by Yatunde Hoffman. She's uh, been involved in leadership for over 25 years in the corporate world, spanning non-profit, FMCG, national, international and global roles. She now has a portfolio career. She leads an international leadership and change consulting practice, uh, Synchrony Development Consulting. She's also MD of the Enjoyable Life Series, CIC, a community organization designed to have men uh, and women at all levels in business, education and community and identify practical ways in which they can live more enjoyably in all that they do. She's also founded Solaris, a global executive leadership program targeted exclusively at the black woman leader, or indeed the woman who identifies as black in the organisation. So it's great to have you, Yutunzi, as my guest on the show this week. Thank you, Andy. That was quite a mouthful <laughs> of introduction. I was thinking, what else do I do? Shall I be letting you know? No, so it's, it's all very impressive. <laughs> all very impressive. <laughs> thank you. It's great. It's, it's an honour to be here as well. So how, when did you first discover that leadership was for you? Well, I, I think we all are born leaders. You know, there might be those people that might say, oh, gosh, we're not born leaders. I th- I believe we all are leaders, whether you're ruling a nation or sleeping on the streets. We all are. We all are leaders. We're making decisions. We've got to be accountable, responsible. We build trust. We build relationships, everything that leaders got to do. So but I didn't quite come to that conclusion until much later in my life. Um, towards the end of my executive career, uh, when I had experiences of feeling a bit let down, feeling being, feeling unvalued, experienced some bullying, microaggressions, all of those things. But what I also appreciated was there was something from within myself. How did I see me? Um, and that was important. And I also had some great responsibility driving global change. And I saw how people experienced the, the news and messages given to them in different ways regardless of where they were in the world, regardless of who they are. Um, And then on my travels, Andy, I met different kinds of people um, who on the surface were were people that have very low means and yet had a sense of self-assurance. And so over time, I began to appreciate, one, we all are human, and two, we all are leaders. And I believe that if, if if I had believed this much earlier in my life, I think and believe that I would have had a much better life and experience. And so this is what I combine and this is what I bring to the world today. I really believe without a shadow of a doubt that we all are leaders. Well, that's lovely to hear you say that, Yotunde. I mean, it's keen that you're wanting to support and empower others, including uh, Black women. Were there particular events or situations that led you to want to seek to change things in this area? Oh, absolutely, Andy. I mean, the most significant one was the murder of George Floyd on the 25th of May 2020. That was the trigger point. Um, and, and when I looked back 27 years before Stephen Lawrence was murdered, on the 22nd of April, 1993. And when I looked in my, at least from where I was sitting, at the distance traveled in the world of diversity and inclusion between those times, personally, not a lot had changed. So there's a lack of representation at the most senior levels of color, and yet the talent exists. And so when George Floyd was murdered, Andy, I couldn't sleep for days because I was, I was living, you know, when Stephen Lawrence was murdered and I felt the anger and everything. I did nothing about it. And I've even done jobs where I was, you know, head of equal opportunities. Now the language is head of diversity, but I was equivalent all those years ago. But for some reason, the murder of Judge Floyd, I I just couldn't sleep for days. 
So the first thing I did, I wrote to all the leaders I knew in organization, all the organizational leaders, writing to them, you know, what are you doing? What's your business doing? And I got a, particularly the, the leaders on whose boards I sat and I got the responses. We're trying to do this, trying to do that. I know care was placated, but I still couldn't sleep. And my husband said to me, well, if, if you can't sleep and you can't, and, and you and you feel this way, then you've got to do something about it. And so Solaris was born and, and I thought about it, what can I do? First of all, there's no representation, very little of people that look like me at the most senior levels, one. And we all know that representation counts, role model counts. Secondly, I've designed and delivered a significant number of leadership programs, majority of them successful, so why not? And I've got a network that I can call on people who don't always, don't all necessarily look like me, but who are willing, allies, sponsors, supporters, wanted to bring change. And so Solaris was born and I decided to target unashamedly that woman who identifies as black in organization, in that middle management place where it's so difficult for her to advance beyond that place and provide a program that has to be empowered to do so, that looks at her life, her leadership and her career and provide a vehicle for the organizations that say, okay, we do this, they can walk their talk, here's something. And then together, in addition to the program, adding the dialogue, bringing in that support, looking at ways where we can dismantle the scaffolding of bias and exclusion in order so that if we're sat here in 10 years time, Andy, that our story and opening place will be different. So that's the reason why. In your uh, press pack, um, Davy suggested questions we could ask you. And one of which was uh, that the, you list the seven, I think the seven reasons, was it, that black women are passed over for promotion, uh, That which is obviously a desperately sad statistic, but what are the kind of things that the black women face? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, black women face everything that women face, everything. Yeah. And on top of that, they are at the intersection. So then bring in the color of their skin. And no matter where you are in the world, the darker the skin, the bigger the challenge. And so women face everything to do with the microaggression of the woman and the black woman has that on top of. So she has it because of her race. Gender pay, of course, and then the ethnicity pay gap. So it's a double whammy. And then you may have a, a woman that's okay, she may have challenges around being overlooked for promotion. The black woman, even so. And then she has the challenge that she may not even have that motivational element of seeing more people like her. And the gap between the white woman and the black woman in terms of advancement is widening. It's widening even more. So research will tell you that almost 70% or say two thirds of black women experience racism at work. They do. Whether it's about their hair, if a black woman speaks up, she might be told she's aggressive. So it's, it's, it's that double whammy. Um, and if that isn't enough, what we're also learning from research is that the black woman, even when she gets to that senior level, over half of them re resign also because of racism. They have less career advancement. They face a lack of sponsorship. And we all know from career research and, and, and career development research that when a person, regardless of, the, of who they are, when they are sponsored, when they have that advocacy at the most senior levels, when somebody is acting like an agent on their behalf, when they're not in the room, 
the likelihood of them becoming more successful, having that promotion increases. And sadly, the black woman increasingly, Andy, is over-mentored and under-sponsored. So one of the things that I want to see more of are sponsors coming up and saying, I'm willing to sponsor you. I will. I believe in you. I'm willing to stick my neck out, stand up for you, put my money where my mouth is, encourage that she's promoted, encourage she's on those talent lists, encourage that she's on the short list that's invited for the senior levels. Targets being set, progress being celebrated, and so on. Well, fabulous that you're able to pick up this challenge, uh, Yatunde, and and seek to to change what is uh, markedly uh, uh, an unfair aspect of our uh, leadership programs. Yatunde, you gave a talk, a TED talk, where you were asked the question, uh, why not see love in business? And indeed, your book, Beyond Engagement, and concerns the value of love-based leadership in organizations. Most leaders don't seem to value what could be called soft skills. What reaction have you received to the book and to the <laughs> TED talk indeed? <laughs> well, Andy, you know what? The soft skills are really the hard skills. When you think about it in organizations today or even in any walk of life, what is it that brings dysfunction? What is it that has people fall out? It's always the, the way you behaved towards me, the, the, what you said or didn't say, the, the energy that was kind of transmitted, the look that you gave me or didn't. Um, the fact that you didn't, you weren't clear in your communication, that feedback. You didn't give me that bad news or that good news on time. You were, all of those are soft skills. Soft. Nobody says things like, well, you know, the the, the project details went on, on, on point. It's always about the way I experienced you. So the soft skills really are the hard skills, but they seem to be less tangible. And they're in is where love sits. Uh, and I remember it, I did the TEDx talk in 2015 at the I Business School in, in Madrid. And, and by the response of people in the room, my peer group, you could see that they wrinkled their noses, you know, well, oh, that's not possible. But I was so encouraged, so encouraged by the by people much earlier in their careers than I was and the younger population. How can we bring love into our business? What does it mean? And the keys in the definition, I define love as that unconditional acceptance of all of who I am, what's and all, and the unconditional acceptance of all of who you are. Because if I'm able to do that, it means I can see beyond what you do or have and appreciate the human being that you are and I am. I can see that you are more than just the color of your skin, what you do or what you say you are. But together, because we're both human, there's something we can connect. And when you combine that with leadership, as I see it, leadership means being authentic, being accountable, being committed, building trust, underpinned by love and living a life of contribution, then the results we can create can be amazing. So I would say that I'm significantly more encouraged than I would have anticipated. And since 2015, things have improved. But I tell you what, I the, the, the sad um, experiences we've had over George Floyd, Stephen Lawrence, and so many things, plus what's happened with COVID, the lockdown, the economic situation that's happening around the world, people are beginning to appreciate that there's more to life. And the, and the slow progress 
that's happened in the world of work, regardless of the organization, in really advancing inclusion, because mental health challenges have gotten worse. They haven't gotten better. So the whole notion of love is emerging. People are talking about kindness, compassion, and being willing to listen, emotional intelligence, social intelligence, which by the way, Andy, none of those can be demonstrated effectively if you're not coming from a place of love. If they are not underpinned by love, you can't be kind. How can you be kind if you don't have love at the root? How can you demonstrate compassion if you don't have love at the root? So in my view, love over time is going to become more and more desired and more and more well required and more and more a non-negotiable in the world of work and nice. even outside of work. No, it's great, great to hear. Uh, and obviously this is a show uh, aimed particularly at Christians in leadership. And uh, yeah. obviously some some might regard being a Christian in leadership as a bit of a, a handicap in the sense that it's it's a challenge for them because the people are hostile to the faith. But actually this gives a, a Christian who's functioning well and, and receiving God's love as a, a bit of a bit of a head start in terms of the love. Uh, dimension Absolutely. I guess. Yes Andy because one of the things I also talk about is joy and I would like to think that Christians particularly can understand what I mean by joy because joy comes from outside from within you it's not outside you know have, everything outside of us can make us happy your job the money you earn your status what people say you know I'm, I'm chasing feedback because I want you to tell me I'm good but actually when you know who you are and you know what you're about, and as a Christian, you also know whose you are, that inside of you combined with the love. And I would say to Christians, that love that you know that, that, that God gives you and also tells you to love me and love one another without condition as we're made in his image, that should give you the joy. And so as a Christian, Christian leaders should hold their heads up high. Often you find, I think I once heard a Christian leader say, um, what, puts, what puts people off Christianity is a Christian, and what puts people interested in Christianity is also a Christian. And <laughs> the key thing is we've got to find our way and really come from that place. And what does it mean to really love, to really, really love as a Christian leader? Yeah, it no, means uh, well, love that's a that condition. It's a great challenge, a very great challenge. Um, Yatunze, have you seen examples where you've seen love in business functioning well and maybe without necessarily naming names, places where it's not been so good? Yes, I'm glad you said without naming names because I wouldn't <laughs> want to. And the reason why is because I, I want to come from a place of love myself, Andy, because yes. well, if you look at organisations, not everybody in an organisation is the same. But what I have seen, there have been pockets in business where I've seen leaders go above and beyond, take the time. Even I've experienced, I remember years ago, even before I started talking about love in business, when my mother died, the person I was working for at, the, at that time, without any hesitation, said, Yetunde, we're going to put you on a plane. It's going to be at the company's expense and we're going to send you home where you are to where your mother was so that you can spend as long as you need to, to be there for the burial and everything. 
all expenses pays the car that picked me up the flights everything didn't even ask me when are you going what do you need that for me was love yes until now to today i'll always remember that individual that leader with fondness that's an example I've seen leadership teams and organizations where their business has been suffering because of the pandemic, where they've had to knuckle down. And yet they pulled together, supported each other, been there for each other, called each other out, gone without so others in the team could have. That for me, I've seen, that's been a demonstration of love. And I've seen one or two organizations really be bold and put demonstrate love as one of their values and i would say so an organization is not a christian organization but this is an organization that's trying to be the best for itself trying to be the best for its clients and its customers and in their value set they've said demonstrate love because it means a lot to them and of course i've seen organizations and i've also experienced situations where there hasn't been any love where people have been excluded. I've felt excluded. I've been told things that I've wondered, what can I do with that feedback? It goes straight to the soul. It's not tangible. That can't be love. I think it's true to say, Yotundi, that in order for us to be loving in our leadership, uh, we obviously need to receive the love of God ourselves and to be perhaps at peace and in, in a place of joy. And I'm just wondering what you do in terms of your own self-preservation, your, your self-support uh, in terms of your working week, whether a particular habits or particular approaches that you take that you find helpful? Well, Andy, actually, before I say that, there's a book um, that if, 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 if the audience wanted to read about organizations that demonstrate love. So, for example, there's a book called Love and Profit, I think. Um, uh, and there's also a book by a gentleman called Frederick Lalu, which I, I recommend strongly, that has organizations where they may not talk about love, 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 but in the way they show up, demonstrate love. And now coming back to your question around- No, no thank um, you. That's, that's helpful, yeah. You're very welcome about um, uh, how do I, what do I do to recharge? The first thing I do is pray. I pray, I pray. I find prayer uh, an opportunity to- to recharge, to connect with who I am and what about. And when I, I, I was, I experienced significant, I'm a cancer survivor. So when, when I was very ill um, and going through treatment, it was just a place of solace and comfort. So that, and being solitary. So that's one thing I do. And I, it's just, I, I it's just, I come out re-energized. Secondly is I play the piano. So I'm a classical pianist. And playing the piano requires such concentration that there's no room to think of anything else. And therefore, the minute my mind wanders, I'll make a mistake. And so immersing myself in playing the piano is amazing. The third thing I love to do, Andy, is sing and dance. But my singing isn't great. So I sing only when I'm on my own. And I love to sing <laughs> okay. worship songs and and dance and really enjoy myself. That's what I do for periods of time. Nice. And then of course, spending time with my husband, just the two of us. Oh, that sounds fabulous. So yeah, um, obviously prayer would be something we would all could do. Um, the, the, the music, piano, piano side, Mel, we all need to find something that fo we focus on that, that much. And I guess, yeah, if it's for you dancing and singing, there'll be other things for other people, but worship, in some form, I think would be certainly something every 
Christian leadership needs to be incorporating into their life in some way. Yes. Without a shadow of a doubt. Fabulous, thank you. Um, you, you, um, you've written a book beyond engagement, and you talk about the challenge that that was for you, not expecting to ever to do that. And one of the reasons for writing the book was that you had enjoyed books yourself. Uh, you've already mentioned uh, the book Love and Profit, and um, the other guy was was Frederick. Frederick Laloux is a book called Reinventing Organizations. It's, I think it's a secular book, but inside of it are some great examples, particularly for Christian leaders in, in the world of work, because uh, it also has a, um, a workbook alongside it. it. It can help you with looking at how to bring change, ways of working. It's, it's full of ideas. Um, but of course, you know, Andy, this, <laughs> there, there, I, I, I read a lot of books, but in the early stages of my career, one book that really impacted me was Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly right. Effective People. Yeah, and I will still recommend it today because, yes. and even though it's not a Christian book, but mm. you can relate to everything it talks about. Certainly, I'm thinking, well, hmm, Stephen did, because I've never met him. Did you take the Bible and and, mm. and kind of like hmm, study it and take some bits in there? So it's a very, particularly if you're starting in the early stages of your career and you want to bring something back, that whole Stephen Covey, you know, stand with the, start with the end in mind, you know, iron chapter 10, first things first. It's so beautiful. So some really clear ways of how to navigate your way as a leader, regardless of whatever stage you are. And of course, the Bible, uh, Andy, it's, I, I find it is it's rich. You can lead your life through it. You can run a business with it. You can run a relationship with it. It's it. I mean, it's just amazing. When I did, I did um RE for A levels, and um and all these years now, when I read the Bible, I learn something new every day. It's got humor in it. It's got encouragement. It's got storytelling. It's got hope. It it, it gives me confirmation of who I am and where I'm going. It's just amazing. So those would be the books I would recommend. Even, by the way, Andy, for any non-Christians even listening, you, the Bible is so rich. You can you would enjoy it as well. No, and of course. No, thank you. Thank you. And, and just to mention uh, your book, Beyond Engagement. So what yes, would be your... I would recommend that too. <laughs> <laughs> so give us a few, a few moments as we close on, uh, on what people would find in that book. Well, what beyond engagement, the value of love-based leadership in organizations is a book that helps you really understand the impact and the difference that love, that greatest gift and need of the human being, the difference that can make in business. And through the eyes of over 30 business leaders from all walks of life and different parts of the world, grappling with what it means, how they would define it, the difference it would make, and then the practical tools that can be used to have it develop leaders and the barriers that could potentially happen and how you as the leader that wants to explore this, how you can break down those barriers. So it's a book of encouragement. It's, and it, and it's, it's, in, it's motivating. It gives you great examples and it's tangible. And it tells you really how all so many other tools haven't worked effectively, whether it's engagement service, happiness service, all of those things. But when you really come at it, because organization is human, head, heart, and gut, and if the greatest gift and need is love, 
when you look at coming at this in a way like a driving change and you want to bring it to your organization, then you have every chance, every opportunity to have it make a difference in your business, both financially and non-financially. Wonderful. Well, it's been a joy to chat with you, Yutundi. Time has, has rushed past, but that's uh, Yutundi Hoffman and uh, my joy to have chatted to you today. Thank you. Andy, thank you. Really appreciate it. That was my conversation with Yutundi Hoffman. Her book, again, is Beyond Engagement. So do get a copy via uh, Amazon or uh, other uh, bookshops, I'm sure, will hold it for you. And she mentions two books. Uh, the first is Love and Profit by James A. Autry. That's A-U-T-R-Y. And the second is Reinventing Organizations by Frederick Lalou. That's Frederick and the surname Lalou, L-A-L-O-U-X. It's been my joy to have your company. I trust that uh, our conversation has been a blessing to you and a help as you continue to serve God where he has placed you to be an influence, whether that's with a small L, just leading your life uh, amongst those that God has given you influence amongst, or whether it's with a big L because you are a leader yourself in an organization, in a church situation, or in a charity. Uh, we all need God's help and God's grace. And so may God uh, equip you for every good work that he calls you to do in this week ahead. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.